I'm Chris Reback. This is Startup Conversations. Have you ever wished that you could do for a living now what you dreamed about doing back when you were five? Well, I just finished talking with Ariel Shimoni, the director of virtual reality at Startup. What a terrific conversation. He is in the industry that he has dreamed about since he was a kid. You can just hear in his voice and how he talks, he has a very clear and excited vision around what the business of virtual reality can become. The other thing I really liked about this conversation, as much as Ariel loves VR, as excited as he still gets in talking with brands and agencies and developers and publishers around what's possible and what's next about the ways that VR can be monetized, he also warns heavily against the hype. He doesn't see a killer app coming down the line that's going to exponentially lift VR to new heights. He sees a timely, business-driven evolution. This conversation gets to the heart of the future of VR with a heavy focus on the reality as opposed to the virtual. We discuss content and hardware and measurements and data and more. Not only will you learn a lot, I think you'll also appreciate the reality-based enthusiasm and insights Ariel brings to the conversation. Here it is now. Ariel, thanks for joining me. I appreciate your time. Good to be here. So let's level set first on virtual reality. Um, there's a whole life cycle. I assume we're very early in that life cycle, but wh where would you characterize? Where are we on the uh, virtual reality life cycle? I think if I could um, compare this to maybe the app uh, ecosystem, I would say we're about 2009, maybe 2010 in the app world uh, where you know, Android was slowly getting in there. Apple has established themselves as kind of, uh, you know, the, the ecosystem is starting to roll and adoption is starting to pick up. Um, so we're right about there, but again, in a, in a very, very different sense. Um, yeah, yeah, obviously a whole lot of other things going on, yeah. but, but that's it. That's a really actually very useful, um, comparison. So, because by 2009, 2010, I mean, apps were a thing. They might not, you right. know, we all might not have been using them. Um, maybe it was only the cool kids, um, right. but but they were a thing. And the, the cool kids, or at least the ones with a little bit of vision, could see that where where apps were going. Um, and at yeah. this point, obviously, uh, you know, even the kids like me, you know, <laughs> we, we all use apps. Um, right. So that's where that's kind of what you would say about virtual reality, I guess. Yeah, I, I think that there is still this massive, massive hype uh, that might do a, a, maybe a disservice to, to VR. But in terms of where it is, I think it is very settled by, you know, both by huge supporters of the technology and the ones that might be a little bit more critical of it. I think everybody's in agreement that this will be at some point a very big part of our lives, which is, again, similar to what apps were. People really didn't know how big it's going to get, but I think people knew that it's going to be a very major part of our lives. Smartphones and app usage in general. So, so talk to me about the hype. I, it's actually one of the things I wanted to ask you about. Um, first of all, why – tell me about the, the downside to it, the potential downside. But, but even before that, maybe, why do you think there is the hype? Are, are we all kind of worried about missing the next new thing or wanting to be on top of the next new – why do you think there is such hype around VR? Because there is a ton of it. And what, what I, I hear the hesitation and the, and the little bit of concern in your voice about it. Um, what worries you about the hype? 
Um, so, well, okay. So let's start with why the hype. I think every new technology has a certain amount of hype around it. It's natural. People get excited about new technology. Um, you know, they, they start thinking and envisioning how our future is going to be when this thing is mature. So, uh, and I think that falls into a very positive kind of hype around a technology that brings more and more smart people and, you know, good brains into, you know, dissecting the medium and then seeing what uses it can bring. So that's a good part of it. The thing is that I think with what maybe sets a VR apart is it is so kind of, it's been on our minds for such a long time. The concept has been born decades ago, um, you know, from, from, from science fiction even. So I know that my personally, my, uh, as, as, as a gamer been, been, you know, waiting for this technology for since I was five years old, I'm so excited to, to already put my hands on. It. Um, so I think when we are encountering this high levels of excitement about a new technology and, and the, the, the possibilities of what it can bring, and when reality hits, when it's not quite where people think it is, then the hype starts to get negative. Um, and maybe people start questioning where this is even um, where this is even a revolution or it's just a phase like you know 3d television yeah um, I'm obviously on the very very excited part of, of the hype well it's it's definitely interesting hearing that you're coming from the perspective of a gamer and and we'll talk about that because gaming you know is obviously one of the um, sectors that has, sure. um, you know, been dreaming about and has kind of been pushing VR. But, uh, you know, I want to talk to you about the other sectors as well. But, but is what you touched on another huge point. And I, every time I try to think about it, it just kind of confuses me. And, and then after about, you know, 30 seconds, my brain explodes. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's, a, it's like the, it's this chicken and egg around VR. You've got the hardware, you've got the software, you've got the content, you've got the brands, you've got the developer, you've got all of these players and everyone it feels like is doing one part of it, maybe two parts, but how do they which comes first? You need the hardware to drive the user the con you know to to, to be able to enable that you know, killer content that creates the great user experience, but but you need the content in order to drive the hardware capabilities. And so, t tell me, how do you see the the levers and the tensions among all of the different parts, and and wh which is the chicken and which is the egg? What's got a what's got a lead here? Okay, so I, I think with the chicken and the egg, there's I don't know what what the third one would be, but I think, um, or maybe as a the, as a the rooster. Yeah, maybe the rooster, which I would say that that would be the people actually adopting this new technology. So I guess it's a mixture of the chicken and the egg that you said. And, and then if these two match, then adoption starts to pick up. And then, you know, a new sector or a new, um, you know, technological revolution is born. Um, again, if you go into smartphones and apps like the, this, the iPhone that kind of really blew people's minds so um and this is a, something that has been discussed over the past i guess six eight ten months kind of around vr and a lot of people are saying that they are waiting for the killer app i'm not i don't know if you have heard about people expecting this killer app to get here that one piece of content that will convince people that this thing is real um y yes i have i have been reading yeah about I, yep. I, right and i i don't know i'm i'm one of those that don't think I'm not sure that thing 
exists. I mean, I don't know if that is what we're waiting for here. Um, I think between hardware and software, I think uh, hardware-wise, 2016 had brought so many um, explosive new devices to the VR market. Yeah, yeah. HTC and 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 the Rift, all of these things came out, and and Samsung brought in two versions of the of the Gear VR. So I think on the hardware part, I think we're we're making progress. I heard recently that there aren't expected to be any major hardware releases till 2018, uh, kind of the second generation. So I guess between the two, I would put the weight on things on the content side. So. Um, Yep, go ahead. Sorry, keep going. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would actually a follow-up question maybe in here will get me a little bit more focused. But between the two, I think that, uh, yes, content and, and, and software do have – they do have more of the weight in terms of proving this concept as real. And just as an, an example, a general example, um, I'm not sure that any of the AAA game studios have picked up this technology yet. Most of these – most of the most amazing titles I've been um, witnessing in VR come from, you know, mid-size or indie studios. Um, I'm not entirely sure what the reason for this is, uh, but I, yeah, it's. I think it's a part of the problem. And and so, it, you know, I, I want to pick up on this content thing because I'm dying to ask you about the gaming and and in sector, and and it's interesting that you're saying that you're seeing it a little, maybe a little bit more from the mid-sized players um, as opposed to the AAA players, as you describe them, which uh, on some level makes sense because if you're a mid-level, you, you know, mid-tier. Um, a company, and I assume you were talking about the gaming industry when you were just saying mm-hmm. this. Um, it, it might make sense that okay, you know, place a little bit extra of a bet because you've got greater room that you you want to um, make up and ground that right. you that you want to make up. But but just I'm going to hit pause just for a second, still on the content because this other point that we've been talking around in the, in the killer app thing, um, because it and and how it relates to the evolution of the. VR marketplace, let's call it. Um, it. It really sounds like what you're seeing based on your experience and just your intuition is more – is maybe just what I said, maybe more of an evolution. Um, it's not going to be – you're not seeing like there's going to be this quantum leap, you know, just wait till – you know, pick a month on the calendar. Just wait till August and this thing's going to come out and holy cow, by September, this whole thing will be taken off. It's sounding like you're seeing – um, you know, maybe the more more baby steps and and more of an evolution of where this industry is going to go, as opposed to one or maybe two just you know giant leaps. Is that a fair characterization of of your analysis? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you 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 framed it in in a, in a good in a good way. I think of how I see things. Now, I think this might. You know, there are technological like boundaries here for VR right now. Um, you know, like like your your screen resolution and 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 the processing power, for example, for mobile VR brings the experience to a certain extent that prevents it to be a completely mind blowing visual experience, right? Because you still have a, a a Samsung phone two inches from your eyeballs. You can't have that in 4K just yet. So there are limitations here that we will need to do those baby steps in order to get the technology um, that can also produce incredible, incredible content. You know, I'll put a little asterisk on this. Still today, 
I have, I've, and I had, a, 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 you know, the privilege to be the person that shows VR to people for the first time. And even with the most basic VR experience that you just download, you know, like a little um, fly between the stars experience from the Google Play Store and put it in a cardboard, people put it on their face and they just, their mind is blown from what they're seeing. So, you know, that's one of the things that got me so excited about this technology. If right now in our very, very early steps of this new medium, we're able to amaze people in five to 10 years, this is going to be, you know, something that we have maybe never seen before in terms of its impact on, on, on so many businesses and even on, on our threads of a society. But that might be a, a topic for a completely other podcast. Well, no, it could, yeah, it, it certainly could be a lot of different podcasts, and we, you know, we'll also <laughs> form it a bit in, into this one. Um, that is really cool. It's a really cool sentiment um, to get to feel, and it, it, it speaks actually to um, the energy that that you clearly bring just in listening to you now to to this whole topic. Um, you, it really must feel like you, you know, you you feel that. Um, that thrill of um, helping, enabling people to see something really crazy and yeah. and you know and, and interesting you know out of the blue like that. So so let's yeah. talk about the content um, because you ta- just talked about uh, you know one one type uh, you know some you know seeing something you know the stars and that sort of thing. Um, you spoke earlier about uh, VR content uh, that has been driven by the gaming sector. Um, what other sectors, what other publishers, where do you see real kind of immediate use cases? Um, I know I've seen a lot uh, around uh, healthcare. There have been some, you know, right. and, and, and right. medical. Um, I, we've all, of course, seen as well around travel and, and that sort of thing. But tell sure. me what, what you're seeing. What, what sectors? Um, and are there any brands, perhaps, that you're seeing doing really interesting stuff that you think might be translatable to other sectors and, and other companies? Other than gaming, of course, which is the easiest to explain and kind of the, the most thrilling part. Um, and what you mentioned, I think um, uh, I, I see a movement in the education sector picking up this technology, both VR and augmented reality, um, as something that they can leverage for, you know, hands-on uh, education, uh, getting uh, students of a variety of ages really, really excited about a topic or something like that. I can definitely see VR and AR being a, a, a real part of a classroom in, in the not-so-far future. And why not, you know? Why not create something that immerses students in an experience around a project or around a concept that they need to, to, to learn. I think the, how memorable it is and how um, um, immersive and fascinating it could be, these are words that tie so well into educating and, and getting through to students. So I think whatever, whichever sector of education will be able to, to adopt this technology into the classroom will benefit so much from this. Certainly, education clearly one of the sectors, and and some of the stuff I've seen. I mean, you're you're talking about certain levels of education. I, I've seen written about. I've not seen the actual VR, um, but but medical education and surgeries and and helping students uh, being able you know be able to see what goes on in a surgery and see some really mm-hmm. intricate stuff. 
um, uh, th those are some of the interesting cases that, that I've been reading about and have learned about. But what about it, the it, just a, just a side note on 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 health health care in general that that VR is being used. It also I saw it. I saw people taking it to the other side uh, where it's patient care. So in, um, it, you know, for example, um, for, for people who are bounded to bed after surgery or for elder folk that are uh, in, in long sessions of treatment in hospitals, creating um, a, a meditative state of mind through VR uh, helping them calm their senses is another usage in healthcare that that I I read in a few times a few places and I, I thought it was just brilliant. Yeah, that's fantastic. Fantastic to focus on the patient side as well. Um, wh what about monetization? Uh, you know, that's there's the area that everyone worries about. How how are we going to actually make money at this? Who's going to make money at this? Um, and and how? Um, I realize there are many different angles to take. Let's talk about um, publishers and developers in addition to brands and, and advertisers. First, on the publishers and developer side, how should they be thinking about monetization opportunities, do you feel, in, in VR? Is it appropriate to characterize their dilemma as a choice between paid content and integrated advertising? Where, where are the opportunities and the obstacles um, on both fronts? Yeah, I, I think you characterize it pretty pretty uh, on the nose. And and by talking to this, by the way, I, I remembered about the other um, content side that I wanted to mention earlier, which is publishers like um, the New York Times or CNN VR that are really using this um, this tool, virtual reality and 360 video, as a storytelling tool. Um, you know, a lot of uh, you see a lot of um, documentaries that are being created in 360, and generally content that is um, consumed in a uh, in a similar fashion to non VR. So a, a passive video experience is something that people are. Um, it, it, first of all, it's the, it's the most popular piece of content in VR today. It's the most consumed on on YouTube and and our Facebook, and then in in publications I mentioned earlier, and this also can take us very easily to a monetization place. So the the in between of monetization of, of paid paid content or paid software versus in VR advertisements, I think has to do a lot with the type of content that you create um, and what platform you're going for. So for example, for the high-end rigs like the HTC Vive or the Oculus Rift, inside their distribution uh, platforms, either Steam or the Oculus Store, you see there is a vast majority. I think the last time I checked, it was about um, close to 80% on the Vive and maybe 90% on Oculus of paid content. This is premium content, games, um, and, and, and sort of premium uh, experiences that people are willing to cough up I don't know, seven, nine, and up to 60 bucks, which is a price of a full featured console game today. So on these, on that, you know, on that part of the ecosystem, yes, paid content is, it's very, very similar to what we see on the, on the gaming industry of, of consoles. But when you scale down and go back to a mobile VR, which is something that is a little bit more casual, um, first of all, you see a, a, a lot more variety of type of apps that are playing in there. Um, there is a, a far wider um, audience that is consuming the content. You know, most of these people are maybe cardboard users that will use the, your your application or your VR 
experience once or twice, will show it to their friends, and they'll be tossed aside. Here, a paid model will be far less relevant. And then in comes advertisements. And that's also what we do, or at least try to do in, in, in my department, Startup. And and how does that work? And and what are you seeing around advertisements? And 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 talk talk to me a little bit about that because it it's such a new area. And I know the mm-hmm. the you know finding the data is hard, and finding the right ways to integrate ads into a VR experience that's that that's kind of um, you know aligns with the user behavior. What what are what are all the the kind of opportunities and obstacles that you see around uh, um, advertising in virtual reality? Yeah, I mean, we are in a very uh, sort of a explorative phase of of this. Um, we're exploring a lot. We were lucky enough to find a few publishers, both kind of more of the top tier and more of the mid size experience builders in VR. There are great, great partners to explore how to integrate and how to place branded content or how to deliver this ad message inside an immersive experience, which unlike you know your your desktop ads or mobile there are no rules there are no okay here's a 300 by 250 ad that you can put here and there's a set price for this and you're good to go with vr comes you know uh, both the opportunities uh that that i'll talk about in a second and a lot of challenges how to not break the immersion of the, the experience that the user is now feeling all the way through, you know, don't make the user throw up uh, or feel physically uncomfortable with the ad that you're placing in front of his face. Right. I, I would uh, say that's so, pro- that's probably a good rule. You say there are no rules, yeah, but but yeah. don't make the end user throw up. That's <laughs> that's got to be a good one. <laughs> it should be up there at the top. It's yeah, top three. The top. yeah, it should be at the top. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Um, but in terms of the opportunities, really, and this is something I've been talking to a lot of agencies about. VR, I believe, is going to mature into the most effective advertising tool we have seen. The idea and the concept of the possibility to immerse the user around your brand um, and break everything that has to do with a boring 2D banner ad that just pops up in front of their face, but really create something that is an experience around your product is something that we have never been able to do. Also in terms of his attention and how memorable your brand would be, again, this is something that is unmatched. It is on the advertisers, on the marketers to understand how a story should be told around this, uh, inside these experiences, and then how to build these stories. Um, and it starts with, you know, find the right production company that really knows how to build a 360 uh, environment around whatever story you want to tell. And um, we again, here in New York, we've managed to partner with a few very, very good production companies that are working with some agencies in the city. From there, um, and, and maybe this is kind of, you know, uh, the where VR is really lacking after you have a piece of content or an ad, uh, and you, you go about trying to distribute this thing, this is where things are a little slow right now, where volumes are still low. Um, like we said, adoption is not here yet. Hardware can support it, but you know, it's not it's not the smartphone yet. So you know, set your expectations right and understand that 
you will get some just some traffic, but not even close to to, to mobile or desktop. On that part, on the um, publisher side, when you get an ad, you know we work with them very closely on how to integrate um, an advertisement inside their existing experience that might not interfere. So, you know things from your classic pre-roll of a 360 video, if you have some video content, that can be very familiar and easy to integrate, but all the way into integrating um, products inside your experience via 3D models, but make them interactive. So let's say um, we're, 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 we're in talks with a, a major bank. So maybe we can put like an ATM machine inside an existing VR experience, but that ATM you can interact with and then learn more about the bank, go see a 360 video, all these things that might be, you know, a very unique experience for VR. Um, and kind of the last uh, last step in this um, in this uh, advertising funnel would be what you can learn from the experience. So that's where analytics come in. Um, and uh, this is where things can get a little bit trippy, you know. What can we learn from a user inside an immersive experience inside VR. So, you know, on desktop, you can know where the, the cursor is or where he clicked. On mobile, you also have very specific location data and, and exactly what the click rate is and the install rate and then stuff like that. In VR, we can track the eyeballs, where the user is actually looking. So if you have your logo and he's looking at it, did he just glance at it or is he did he spend like a good second understanding and looking directly at a logo or your product or did you look all the way to the back and just checked out some uh, flying birds that you put back there so all of these things are a part of what we can learn inside VR the next steps of this is going into things that are called emotional tracking by using a lot of sensors inside the device we are able to understand whether or not the user has been you know pushed back by something uh, his device jiggles, so whether he can laugh or not, I, he's laughing or not. I think you had a good discussion about this with Alex from RetNet. That's exactly what these guys are doing. Um, so I won't go uh, too much into that. But um, Yeah, that conversation, yeah. Alex Huck did, uh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's fascinating, yeah. the, the work yeah. that they're doing. Yeah, How yeah, do you, yeah he, was, he was terrific. Um, so how do you talk to brands and how do you talk to agencies because now you're really getting into you know uh, fortunately or unfortunately they measure everything and they try to judge everything based on measurements and you and as you're characterizing this you're giving um you know really really compelling um context around you know where measurements are and the importance of it but also the fact that wait a minute this is a different medium and a different way of 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 connecting with your end user and so maybe you're saying you correct me if i'm having this wrong that some of our traditional measurements may not be the 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 right ones to apply um to this medium so i i guess how do you talk to brands and agencies about measurements uh around virtual reality uh that's a that's a really interesting question because uh, you know as a part of the discussion we're trying to gather to understand or define even um maybe non-existing kpis inside this medium so 
it's true that some of the elements that we were we want we were measuring or we are measuring in other mediums might not be relevant, but I think uh, the the core of things will still remain in VR. Um, but it'll be supplemented with new KPIs of of you know whether or not the user has engaged or gazed upon a single element inside the experience. Um, but these things are they still need to be uh, kind of cultivated, and um, I don't think there's enough real data to support any of these things. So we are living in a, in an era where KPIs and even ROI is a little bit pushed to the side um, and is being kind of overtaken by building an experience and understanding how to sell or tell a story in these uh, environments. Um, I think that's kind of where we are right now. Yeah, it makes, makes a lot of sense. Um, what about as you think globally and, and as you think of regions uh, around the world? Um, are you seeing, you know, I mean, everyone thinks about uh, Asia, of course, for uh, right. innovation in these types of areas. Um, regionally, where are you seeing the biggest growth? Are you seeing any trends from any particular region? Maybe it's in, in use case, maybe it's in sector area, maybe it's some, you know, some type of, of experience. I don't know what it might be, but anything that you're seeing as well in, in a particular region that you think will be easily transferable to, to other regions. So wh where are you seeing the, the real uptake globally? The U.S. has been uh, such a dominant power in VR consumption, both in the, uh, of the, entire, the entire ecosystem, from the, 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 the companies who invest, from the companies that kind of invent, and all the way down to the people that buy the hardware and consume the content. The U.S. has been almost, almost completely alone. After that, and way back is China, um, and then we have a fraction of percents in Europe. I guess that's kind of the, the other landscape. Um, Japan might have their own thing going, uh, but it's always very freaky, you know, what they're doing, taking the technology to. I don't have a lot of data about what's going on specifically with VR in Japan, but um, it is so far it is almost exclusively a U.S. thing. Interesting. Um, so, so you're yeah. you 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 found yourself in the right place. I did. I did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so maybe to, to close out, let, let's close out on that topic, and it probably you know just may be the hardest one for you to talk about. Um, which is you? Um, tell me about you. What's your background? How, how did you? How did you get to to VR and this place? I guess we know that you, um, you know, since age five, have been into gaming. Um, but yeah. but tell me, you know, where did you grow up, and and how did you get to you know develop a real interest in in VR? I originally am from Israel, um, from uh, a small kibbutz down in the south of Israel, where I grew up uh, most of my life. Um, I've, like I said, I've been in, in, I've been a gamer since I, I, I can remember. So I remember getting my first um, PC when I was about five years old, and, and you know, it, I've been obsessed with, with specifically with role playing and adventure games um, since I was a very young age. And I think, and that kind of 
opened up my 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 thinking about virtual reality when I back in the 90s when I was uh, a very young teenager the the idea and the concept of this technology getting very close to us was uh, starting to, to you know news started to trickle and then Nintendo came up with their uh, a VR device which is was a complete debacle um, but with playing role playing in adventure games specifically um, just because it, it, there is an escape there right you're 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 a wizard in this world that is over power over dominated by by the demons and monsters and and you always want to see what's over that other hill and explore so the just the idea of immersing myself in these worlds was something i i i literally literally dreamed of um and when I've been in digital advertising for uh, about 10 years, uh, six of which I've been with Startup, um, working with app developers and game studios mainly to help them monetize. And about, I would say, two and a half or three years ago, when, when you know, news started growing about VR and VR and VR, and suddenly Facebook is buying Oculus for $2 billion, and that get, get some news. And, and I see that mobile VR is really starting to, to pick up. And it is very clear that mobile is going to be kind of the gateway drug for this technology. Everybody has a smartphone. You can buy a cardboard for five bucks or make one your own, and, and you're immersed in, in these worlds. Um, and I just jumped on the opportunity. I, I went to Gil, our CEO, and I was like, look, we have an opportunity to explore a completely new medium, but without needing the resources to completely learn a new technology. We are a mobile company, and since mobile VR is right here, let's see if we can do something. And, and that was the start of, of, of Startup Immerse, kind of our, our VR exploration unit. Um, we, I, I got one of our creative team members. Uh, we recruited a, 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 a very talented HTML 3D designer, uh, a 3D developer, sorry, um, uh, to work on the development stuff and and we just started building uh, 360 environments and and learning from our mistakes and that was the start of it and it's been it's been great it's been a trip that's uh that's really cool and and it does sound like this is something that's just been a natural path and has come out of just who you are and you kind of I'm, I'm telling you you can just kind of hear that uh, five year old uh, you know excited gamer you know and, and teenage yeah. you know just just coming out <laughs> and now uh, you're, you're you're doing it in in real life not just in uh, not just in virtual reality but in yeah, in yeah. real reality that that is uh, seriously uh, I'm, I've been fortunate to have uh, you know, to get a green light from uh, from our executives to, to, to pursue this, for sure. Yeah, well, good for you. Um, Ariel, thank you. Thank you very much for your time. Really uh, terrific conversation. This was great. That was great, man. Thank you. Thank you.